Salutations. I am Kenneth Barrios, leadership coach and owner of Key Bravo Leadership Development with the mission of unleashing your talents and maximizing your impact without compromising your time. Welcome to our 16th Law Success series, where I read out loud about 20 to 30 minutes of this great tone for your audio pleasure. This book is the foundation of which all other personal and professional development is based, written by Napoleon Hill in 1928. I am now using this as public domain book as my foundation to success, and I want to bring you along for the journey. So please enjoy, and your feedback is always welcome. With gratitude, thank you. As that man turned and departed in the crowded streets of Chicago, I saw for the first time in my life what strength and power and possibility lie hidden in the mind of man who has never discovered the value of self-reliance. Then and there, I made up my mind that I, too, would stand in front of the same looking glass and point an accusing finger at myself for not having discovered the lesson which I had helped another to learn. I did stand before that same looking glass, and as I did, so I then there fixed in my mind as my definite purpose in life, the determination to help men and women discover the forces that lie sleeping within them. The book you hold in your hands is evidence that my definite purpose is being carried out. The man whose story I have related is now the president of one of the largest and most successful concerns of its kind in America, with a business that extends from coast to coast from Canada to Mexico. A short while after the incident just related, a woman came into my office for personal analysis. She was then a teacher in the Chicago Public Schools. I gave her an analysis chart and asked her to fill it out. She then had been at work on the chart but a few minutes. When she came back to my desk, handed back the chart, and said, quote, I do not believe I will fill this out, quote. I asked her why she had decided not to fill out the chart, and she replied, quote, To be perfectly frank with you, one of the questions in the chart put me to thinking, and I now know what is wrong with me. Therefore, I realized it was unnecessary to pay you a fee to analyze me, quote. With that, the woman went away. I did not hear from her for two years. She went to New York City, became a writer of advertising copy for one of the largest agencies in the country, and her income at the time, she wrote me, was $10,000 a year. This woman sent me a check to cover the cost of my analysis fee because she felt that the fee had been earned. Even though I did not render her the service that I usually render my clients, it is impossible for anyone to foretell what seemingly insignificant incident may lead to an important turn point in one's career, but there is no denying the fact that these, quote, turning points may be more readily recognized by those who have been well-rounded out confidence in themselves. One of the irreparable losses to the human race lies in the lack of knowledge that there is a definite method through which self-confidence can be developed in any person of average intelligence. What an immeasurable loss to civilization that a young man and woman are not taught this known method of developing self-confidence before they complete their schooling, for no one who lacks faith in himself is really educated in the proper sense of the term. Oh, what glory and satisfaction would be the happy heritage of a man or woman who could pull aside the curtain of fear that hangs over the human race and shuts out the sunlight of understanding that self-confidence brings wherever it is in evidence. Where fear controls, noteworthy achievement becomes an impossibility a fact which brings to mind a definition of fear as stated by the great philosopher, quote, Fear is the dungeon of the mind, which it runs and hides and seeks seclusion, 
fear brings on superstition, and superstition is the dagger with which hypocrisy assassinates the soul. End quote. In front of the typewriter, I which I am writing, the manuscripts for this reading course hangs a sign with the following wording in big letters, quote, Day by day in every way, I am becoming more successful, quote. A skeptic who read that sign asked if I really believed, quote, that stuff. And I replied, quote, of course not. All it ever did for me was to help me get out of the coal mines where I started as a laborer and find a place in the world in which I am serving upwards of 100,000 people in whose minds I am planting the same positive thought that this sign brings out. Therefore, why should I believe in it, quote. As this man started to leave, he said, quote, well, perhaps there is something in this sort of philosophy. After all, for all I have always been afraid that I would be a failure, and so far my fears have been thoroughly realized. Quote, you are condemning yourself to poverty, misery, and failure, or are driving yourself on toward the heights of great achievement solely by the thoughts you think. If you demand success of your success and back up this demand with intelligent action, you will sure to win. Bear in mind though, that there is a difference between demanding success and merely wishing for it. You should find it out what this difference is and take advantage of it. Do you remember what the Bible says? Look it up somewhere in the book of Matthew about those who have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Go at the task of developing self-confidence with at least that much faith, if not more. Never mind, quote, what they will say, quote, because you might as well know that, quote, they will be of little aid to you in your climb up the mountainside of life toward the object of your definite purpose. You have within you all the power you need with which to get whatever you want or need in this world, and about the best way to avail yourself of this power is to believe in yourself. Quote, know thyself, man, know thyself. Quote. This has been the advice of the philosophers all down the ages. When you really know yourself, you will know that there is nothing foolish about hanging a sign in front of the, you that reads like this, quote, Day by day, in every way, I become more successful. Quote. With due apologize to the Frenchman who made this motto popular, I am not afraid to place this sort of suggestion in front of my desk, and, what is more to the point, I am not afraid to believe that it will influence me so that I will become a more positive and aggressive human being. More than 25 years ago, I learned my first lesson in self-confidence building. One night, I was sitting before an open fireplace, listening to a conversation between some older men, when the subject of capital and labor, without invitation, I joined in the conversation and said something about employers and employees settling their differences on the golden rule basis. My remarks attracted the attention of one of the men, who turned to me with a look of surprise on his face and said, quote, Why? You are right, boy, and if you would go out and get schooling, you would make your mark in the world, quote. Those remarks fell on fertile ears, even though that was the first time anyone had told me that I was bright or that I might accomplish anything worthwhile in life. The remark put me in thinking, and the more I allowed my mind to dwell upon that thought, the more certain I became that the remark had back of it a possibility. It might be truthful, truthfully stated that whatever service I am rendering the, rendering the world and whatever good I accomplish should be credited to that offhand remark. Suggestions such as this are often powerful and nonetheless go when they are deliberate and self-expressed. 
Go back now to the self-confidence formula and master it, for it will lead you into the powerhouse of your own mind, where you will tap a force that can be made to carry you at the very top of the ladder of success. Others will believe in you only when you believe in yourself. They will tune in, quoted, on your thoughts and feel towards you just as you feel towards yourself. The law of mental telepathy take care of this. You are continuously broadcasting what you think of yourself. And if you have no faith in yourself, others will pick up the vibrations of your thoughts and mistake them for their own. One understand, once understood the law of mental telepathy, you will know that thy self-confidence is the second of the 15 laws of success. You should be cautioned, however, to learn the difference between self-confidence, which is based upon sound knowledge of what you know and what you can do, and egotism which is only based upon what you wish you knew or could do. Learn the difference between these two terms and you will make yourself boresome, ridiculous, and annoying to people of culture and understanding. Self-confidence is something which should never be proclaimed or announced except through intelligent performance of constructive deeds. If you have self-confidence, those around you will discover this fact. Let them make the discovery. They will feel proud of their alertness and having made the discovery, and you will be free from the suspicion of egotism. Opportunity never stalks a person with a highly developed state of egotism, but brick brats and ugly remarks do. All opportunity forms affinities much more easily and quickly with self-confidence than it does with egotism. Bear this in mind, and let your self-confidence speak only through the tongue of constructive service rendering without fuss or flurry. Self-confidence is the product of knowledge. Know yourself. Know how much you know and how little. Why you know it and how you are going to use it. Quote, four flushers, quote, come to grief. Therefore, do not pretend to know more than you actually do know. There's no use of pretense because any educated person will measure you quite accurately after hearing you speak for three minutes. What you really are will speak so loudly that you will claim you are will not be heard. If you heed this warning, the last four pages of this lesson may mark one of the most important turning points of your life. Believe it in yourself, but not, but do not tell the world that you can do it. Show it. You are now ready for lesson four, which will take you to the next step of the ladder success. Brick Brick, I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. Okay, so I don't normally do these. There's an after-lesson visit with the author after each of these chapters. And I don't... Some of them are interesting, some of them are not. I think this one specifically is very interesting and relevant. So I'm going to read this one as part of this segment. So this is a after lesson between uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3. So here it is. Discontentment. An after lesson with the author. The marker stands at the entrance gate of life and writes, quote, poor fool on the brow of the wise man and, quote, poor sinner on the brow of the saint. The supreme mystery of the universe is life. We come here without our consent, from whence we know not. We go away without our consent, whether we know not. We are eternally trying to solve this great riddle of, quote, life, and for what purpose, 
and to what end. That we are placed on this earth for a definite reason, there can be no doubt by any thinker. May it not be possible for the power which placed us here with know what to do with us when we pass on beyond the great divide. Would it not be a good plan to give the Creator who placed us here on earth credit for having enough intelligence to know what to do with us after we pass on? Or should we assume the intelligence and the ability to control the future life in our own way? May it not be possible that we can cooperate with the Creator very intelligently by assuming to control our conduct conduct on the earth on this earth to the end that we may be decent to one another and do all the good we can in all the ways we can during the life leaving the hereafter to one who probably knows better than we what is best for us the artist has told a powerful story in the picture at the top of this page from birth until death the mind is always reaching out for what which it does not possess the little child playing with his toys on the floor sees another child with a different sort of toy and immediately tries to lay hands on that toy. The female child, grown up tall, believes the other woman's clothes more becoming than her own and sets out to duplicate them. The male child, grown tall, sees another man with a bigger collection of railroads or banks or merchandise and says to himself, quote, How fortunate, how fortunate, how can I separate him from his belongings? F.W. Woolworth the five and cent ten store king stood on Fifth Avenue in New York City and gazed upward at the tall metropolitan building and said, quote, How wonderful! I will build one much taller. Quote. The crowning achievement of his life was measured by the Woolworth Building. That building stands as a temporary symbol of man's nature to excel the handiwork of other men, a monument to the vanity of man with but little else to justify its existence. The little ragged newsboy in the street stands with open, wide open mouth envies the businessman as he alights from his automobile at the curb and starts into his office. Quote, how happy I would be, the newsboy says to himself, if I owned a Lizzie, quoted. And the businessman seated at the desk inside thinks how happy he would be if he could add another million dollars to his already overswollen bankroll. The grass is always sweeter on the other side of the fence, says the jackass, as he stretches his neck in an attempt to get it. Turn a crowd of boys into an apple orchard, and they will pass by the nice mellow apples on the ground. The red, juicy ones hanging dangerously high in the top of the tree look much more tempting, and up the tree they will go. The married man takes a sheepish glance at a daintily dressed ladies on the street and thinks how fortunate he would be if his wife were as pretty as they. Perhaps she is much prettier, but he misses that beauty well because, well, because, quote, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, quote. Most of worst cases grow out of a man's tendency to climb the fence into the fellow, into other fellows' pastures. <laughs> Happiness is always just around the bend, always in sight, just out of reach. Life is never complete, no matter what we have or how much of it we possess. One thing calls for something else to go with it. My lady buys a pretty hat. She must have a gown to match. That calls for new shoes and a hose and gloves. Other accessories that run into a big bill far beyond her husband's means. Man longs for a home, just a plain little house, setting off the edge of the woods. He builds it, but is not complete. He must have shrubbery and flowers and landscaping to go with it. Still, it is not complete. He must have a beautiful fence around it with a gravel driveway. That calls for a motor car and a garage in which to house it. 
All these little touches have been added, but to no avail. The place is now too small. He must have a house with more rooms. The Ford Coupe must be replaced by a Cadillac sedan, so there will be room for company in the cross-country tours. And on the story goes ad infinitum. The young man receives a salary sufficient to keep him and his family fairly comfortable. Then comes a promotion, an advanced salary of $1,000 a year. Does he lay that extra $1,000 away in the savings account and continue living as before? He does nothing of the sort. Immediately, he must trade the old car in for a new one. A porch must be added to the house. A wife needs a new wardrobe. The table must be set with better food and more of it. Pity this poor, groaning stomach. At the end of the year, he is better off with an increase. He is nothing of the sort. The more he gets, the more he wants. The rule applies to the man with millions is the same as to the man with but a few thousands. A young man selects the girl of his choice believing he cannot live without her. After he gets her, he is sure that he can live with her. If a man remains a bachelor, he wonders why he is so stupid as to deprive himself of the joys of married life. If he marries, he wonders how she happened to catch him off guard long enough to harpoon him. And the god of destiny cries out, O fool, O fool, you are damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, quoted. At the very at every crossroad of life, the imps of discontentment stand in the shadows of the background with a grit of mockery on their faces, crying out, quote, Take the road of your own choice. We will get you in the end. Quote. At last, man becomes disillusioned and begins to learn that happiness and contentment are not of this world. Then begins the search for the password that will open the door to him in some world of which he knows not. Surely there must be happiness on the other side of the great divide. In desperation, he tried. Careworn heart turns to religion for hope and encouragement. But his troubles are not over. They are just starting. Quote, Come into our tent and accept our creed, says one sect, and you will go straight to heaven after death. Poor man hesitates, looks and listens. Then he hears the call of another brand of religion, whose leader says, quote, Stay out of the other camp or you'll go straight to hell. They only sprinkle water on your head, but we push you all the way under, thereby ensuring your safe passage into the promised land. Quote. In the midst of the sectarian clamps and counterclamps, claims, poor man becomes undecided, not knowing whether to turn this way or that way. He wonders which brand of religion offers the safest passage way until hope vanishes. Quote. Myself, when young, did eagerly frequent doctor and saint and heard great argument about it and about but evermore came out by the door same door where i went quote. always seeking but never finding thus might be described man's struggle for happiness and contentment he tries one religion after another finally joining quote the big church which the world has named the quote damned his mind becomes an eternal question mark searching hither and yon for an answer to the questions Quote, whence and whither, quote, quoted, the, the worldly hope men set their hearts upon, turn ashes, or it prospers, and, uh, and anon, like snow upon the desert's dusty face, a lightning, a little hour or two, is gone, quote. Life is an everlasting question mark. That which we want most is always in the embryonic distance of the future, our power to acquire is always a decade or so behind our power to desire. And if we catch up with the thing we want, no longer want it. 
Fortunate is the young man who learns this great truth and keeps her lover always guessing, always on the defensive least he may lose her. Our favorite author is a hero and a genius until we meet him in person and learn that sad truth that, after all, he is only a man. Quote, how often must we learn this lesson? Men cease to interest us when we find their limitations. The only sin is limitation. As soon as you once come up with a man's limitations, it is all over with him. Quote, Emerson. How beautiful the mountain yonder in the distance, but the moment we draw near, we find it to be nothing but a wretched collection of rocks and dirt and trees. Out of this truth grew the often repeated adage, quote, familiarity breeds contempt, quote. Beauty and happiness and contentment are states of mind. They can never be enjoyed except through the vision of afar. The most beautiful painting of the Rembrandt becomes a mere smudge of dabbed paint if we come too near it. Destroy the hope of unfinished dreams in a man's heart and he is finished. The moment a man ceases to cherish the vision of future achievement, he is through. Nature has built man so that his greatest and only lasting happiness is that which he feels in the pursuit of some yet unattained object. Anticipation is sweeter than realization. That which is at hand does not satisfy. The only enduring satisfaction is that which comes to the person who keeps alive in his heart the hope of future achievement. Huh. When the hope dies, writes Phineas across the human heart. Life's greatest inconsistency is the fact that most of which we believe is not true. Russell Conwell wrote the most popular lecture ever delivered in the English language. He called it, quote, acres of diamonds, quote. The central idea of the lecture was a statement that one need not seek opportunity in the distance. The opportunity may be found in the vicinity of one's own birth, perhaps, but how many believe it? Opportunity may be found wherever one really looks for it and nowhere else. To most men, the picking looks better on the other side of the fence. How futile to urge one to try in one's luck in the little hometown when it is man's nature to look for opportunity in some other locality. Do not worry because the grass looks sweeter on the other side of the fence. Nature intended it so. Thus, does she allure us and groom us for the long, lifelong task of growth through struggle. And that ends uh, the, the after lesson. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at keybravo.com. That is kb at keybravo.com. Have a wonderful day, and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.